0: Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. I'm Dave Detman, also known as Dr. Get. I've got a new podcast called The Big Idea. And every week, I talk to inventors and visionaries who made it big in their respective industries. We'll tackle weekly trending tech, provide inside tips for your success, and go deep dives on the latest and greatest innovations. And I know you're going to love this part. I'll also have Plenty of free giveaways. Who doesn't love free stuff? So listen to and follow The Big Idea with me, Dr. Gadget, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. Welcome to CarCast. We've got a great show. Our friend Richard Waitis from Magnaflow Performance Exhaust is in the house with us. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Before we get started, here's Geico. Would you love to save money on insurance? Of course. Who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, Geico can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renters coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus, Add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance, and the switch to GEICO becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndre here with Bill Goldberg. What's up, buddy? <laughs>
2: well, I got my, uh, my twin next to me, and uh, <laughs> the only way you can close apart is I ripped the sleeves off my shirt. You like this Magnaflow shirt?
1: I do. I do like the Magnaflow shirt with those sleeves on it. Did it come with sleeves, or was it already sleeveless?
2: Oh, it came with sleeves. It and came with know, sleeves. I had,
1: the, I had to do the Goldberg thing.
2: It is like pushing 100 out here in Texas, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't walk. With a long sleeve shirt, that's my excuse.
1: right. Tomorrow you'll need a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We're in now, dude.
2: There is no turning back. Believe
1: me. Um. Good. So we've got some stuff to go over. First, we want to we want to welcome our good friend Richard Waitis, the man, the myth, the legend. You guys thought he was a ghost. We've been talking about him for years on the show. Uh, I know he's I know he's popped into a couple cardboard.
2: It's it's a cardboard it's a, it's a cardboard,
1: it's a ca- cardboard cutout of Richard Waitis. Uh, he's. I, I don't know how this worked out, but it just kind of worked out last minute that uh, Richard, uh, you guys heard about us, talk about him on the show many times, help us out endlessly on projects after projects and appreciate that. And you guys have seen him a million times on every car building show out there. Um, certainly, if you're a fan of overhauling he's been in a million episodes that and uh, Rich, I guess you're just uh, touring and visiting some of your shops that, uh, that you have relationships with. And you said, hey, while I'm in Texas, let me sneak over to Goldberg's Ranch and see what's going on over there. And as you can see, quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time since I've been able to come out and check out the collection. And obviously, a lot of this stuff that uh, Goldberg's been working on, you know, getting that garage up to speed and watching that dream come true and actually finally getting to see it as we go by today – pretty awesome uh it's always been something i know that goldberg's talked about is getting his collection to a place where he can get out and get in the cars and use the cars with more accessibility and just watching it as we drove by it here uh it is a reality now we are so close to seeing that thing in its full form
2: yeah uh, we're not close enough you can can never be close enough to yeah the fact that they're finishing up the roof today hopefully and, uh, you know, moving on. Um, hopefully the biggest obstacles are behind us. And uh, we actually went and saw the lawman early this morning and saw a, a buddy's collection, uh, Mark Motors, here in, well, everybody lives, knows I live at Bernie. Now I might as well say Bernie, Texas, right? So um, Mark Motors is a, an import dealer that has an eclectic uh, inventory of the top uh hypercars supercars whatever you want to call it these days yeah in the middle of absolutely nowhere where we live and it's amazing the collection they have but what drew us there was the fact that he and his son have an old you know uh, a classic car collection in the back um that is quite impressive and the best part about it is it's not uh, uh manufacturer driven it's a collection that's driven by memories just like mine. Yeah. So say it's eclectic is an absolute understatement, but I was able to take Richard and and camera crew down there and introduce them to Bill bird. uh, Bill bird is the proverbial 800 pound gorilla around here. And uh, if you want anything and everything done, then you go to bill bird, bill bird obviously owns the uh, storage facility where I've been storing (laughs) everything also, but he's a great, he's a great guy. Uh, no matter how successful he is, he has the passion for these muscle cars that we do too. So um, it, it's it's great just hearing the stories behind, you know, some of the, some of the pieces of the, the of the collection.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, hearing stuff about first car driven and reacquiring that uh, the, the VW bus that, you know, his dad used to drive him around to is kind of the family wagon. Uh, you know, all of these cars, they aren't necessarily significant because of the, uh the brand the particular model in the sense of value but it's the story behind them, and we could have talked for hours and hours about all of that and that's the great part about these little collections is it's literally his life from childhood first car driven significant events in his life told through his collection
2: so cool it's uh It's the meaning of the business, if you ask me. I mean, the smile on his face as he was uttering these specific stories about each and every car is freaking priceless. You know, and
1: that's
0: what it's all about.
1: What was the first car, the one that he reacquired?
0: So he had this Granada, which was the first (laughs) car he learned to drive on. And it was funny because... You know He's in the business of selling cars, and we find this unrestored. It is not the exact car. It's just the same type of car that he had, color, everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's parked in the corner with a do not sell or not for sale sign on it. And I'm scratching my head. Me and Bill are walking to the collection, and we go, there's got to be a story behind this because it doesn't match anything there. No. And it's this 80s Granada. <laughs> Two-door, red interior, red outside. I mean – it literally is the car that I can remember. The you know your parents handing you the keys <laughs> over. That this is what you are going to learn to drive in.
1: Right, not not a car you normally walk by and smile or chuckle. But if you have the memories, right, then you yeah. then you do then you do walk by it and 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 smile. well, that and
0: the wet that was a, oh yeah you know Grand Wagoneer, and he said he just bought the new one. Obviously, these memories are you know what really make us in this automotive community drive into all of these things because. Here he is buying the the literal replacement vehicle of what he remembered as a kid, and then now he's buying the new version. You know, they just came out with that new uh, Grand Waggon and he's got both now. Yeah.
2: And then you got a Rolls Royce parked <laughs> next to a, a seventy Z twenty eight, and then you got a VW bus, and then you got the Granada, and I mean, you know, it's then you have a couple Defenders and some Jags and Austin Heatley's and.
0: And he's got his kids got an, R 33 R33 right-hand drive car that's sitting there in pristine order under 50,000 original miles. Uh, I mean, the collection's now expanding into uh, Billy, his son, son of Bill. And uh, that was a lot of bills today, by the way. Yeah. Bill, Bill, (laughs) Bill. Um, But you know, that's this whole collection was just this uh, mishmash of all these memories. And now it's just expanded into his, his son's uh, own, you know, things that are meaningful to him and, uh, like I said, we could have spent hours there.
2: And it, and again, you know, it, it backs up the story that it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your uh, socioeconomic, you know, uh, classification. If you talk about old cars, it brings everybody together on an even plane, and it's just kind of cool. Yeah. He has a
1: uh, he has a dealer as well. Does he sell cars? Is that what he's doing?
2: Well, he he owns Mark Motors, which is kind of like an import. I've never seen and that many G wagons in one place, <laughs> right, Clarence, okay. sitting, you know, not covered. Uh, I didn't step inside the showroom.
0: Oh, the showroom from uh, the latest Lamborghini Huracan's, you name the vehicle. He had uh, even some of the more uh, less available that he had. A oh, he had the new Hummer, the electric yeah. Hummer. Uh, he has one of those in there. I mean, uh, you name it. It's, if it's hot and it's a, a premium car right now, it's there.
2: It's unbelievable in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And you get people flying in from everywhere across the country slash world yeah. Yeah. to buy these. Cars. And then in the back, you know, it's got the bread and butter of what began, what started everything. You know, he also owns a Jaguar and a Land Rover dealership and, and three quarters of his town. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you talk about these cars and the memories that they evoke. It's, he's just a normal guy, gearhead like anybody yeah. else.
1: It sounds like he's got a great collection over there. In addition to the uh, dealer, he's kind of the uh the Bo Bachman of Texas, right? He's because uh, uh, you know the guys over here at, at Gas at Galpin they've got that huge museum and talk about walking through and just telling stories. You walk through there and there's some really amazing cars and there's some really funky shit and it's just because oh, yeah. because Bo loves it, right? And we and- saw
2: the same thing you know the collection is driven by memories when you yeah. see that the eclectic you know <laughs> this thing that card next to the freaking austin healy yeah i don't know you know how expensive that thing is you know but then you had the, what was next to it that Cutlass? uh
0: yeah he had one of those uh sport 350s uh it's 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 like a, a judge but a smaller package it didn't have the same engine package obviously the 350 indicating the size of the motor but uh, it's bright yellow with all the same kind of things that the judge had, same wings, same front accents. But it's not a car you would normally find. Is It's not a judge. In the same year, that was the car people were driven to, yet this Cutlass had uh, this package. It was just an unusual car to find in that collection.
2: It was really neat because everything's in pretty much pristine condition, yeah. right. and it was like walking through a Hot Wheels museum because yeah. everything – each car evoked what that manufacturer was going for at that time, right? Whether yeah. it's bright, whether it's ostentatious, whether it's glitzy, whether it, whatever it is, that was the best of what was represented in those years. And it's really cool to be able to, it's like a time capsule yeah. to walk in yeah. there and check it out.
1: So after, uh, touring that, you, you guys swung by because he's holding on to your cars. You're building this garage. You've got cars mostly over there. Who knows where you got them stashed all over the place, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you're, you're just trying to, to, to get by with, uh, holding on to the, you know, uh, keeping the, everything secured while we get the, uh, while you get the garage up. Um, but yeah. So we saw the video, the, uh, the delivery video of, of the lawman and, but uh, Richard, tell me about it. What do you guys think of that? What do you think of that car, seeing it up close in person, like fully restored? First of all, did you see the car? Uh, you saw the car before it was done, right? You were oh, you were uh, involved with that car. Time,
0: it was in a thousand pieces, getting <laughs> photographed as Bill was literally just you know holding both sides of his head, going, "I don't know what I just did. <laughs> exactly. it's, I just took apart this 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 vehicle that has been so important to." The industry, the community, and I don't know how it's ever going to go back together. And then moved (laughs) on top of it. So today I got to watch him unzip the bubble, which it is in a nice contained bubble, uh, and see it probably better than it's ever been. I mean, it it is in order of the way it was probably delivered when uh, the project came about and they first introduced it to the public. It, it, It was a little emotional, you know, just seeing that car back in its full form and just to sit back and kind of take it in. Uh, but, you know, the lawman's back.
2: You're damn skippy. It's back. I can't wait to be able to display it, you know, the way it should be displayed.
1: I, I saw the car at Marcus Angel's place in Arizona when it was completely blown apart. But <laughs> I I so I saw it. Here's the thing is I saw it at a good time. I I saw it after... A bunch of the paint had been done on the panel. So he had, you know, like the unibody had paint on it, and then the doors and the fenders were separate. It didn't have any of the hand painting or the, you know, any of the logos and stuff on it. And the engine was pretty much built at that point. So when I saw it, you got to kind of you didn't see it in its really kind of battered form, you know, with no paint down and (laughs) and 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 stuff. Like at this point, when I saw it, it was more during the assembly process, which is, for lack of a better term, it's like it's like a very pretty part of the build right it's the most beautiful part of of the build when you have all the the pieces done everything's been inventoried and things have been coated and powder coated and painted and and all the little you know original marker bits and notes are all been you know retained uh and restored back so i saw that portion of it but i was looking at it going you got a lot of work to do (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that was, jeez, that was a that was years ago. It feels like it was a minute ago, but I was like, oh, I was just in Arizona and I must have saw it there. But I keep forgetting this two years of pandemic in between where we didn't really do much yep. of anything. So I, it must have been. Let's see, we've been doing this version of Carcast. You and I, I think it was four years in March. It was probably after the first year, so maybe three years ago. Uh, three. Years. Yeah, about three years ago to do that project. Yeah,
2: God Almighty!
1: It really just feels like we were just talking to him about it, and he was telling us a story of flying uh, and getting cylinder heads and putting them into the overhead compartment on the plane. Going, shit! I hope that thing doesn't fall down and kill us. It's a pretty heavy, pretty heavy <laughs> cylinder heads. Oh my God! <laughs> um, well, that's good. Uh, it, we love that car. That car is exciting, and to get the the garage in order, like you said, the the I assume most of the walls are getting up, and uh, the roof is done. And did your stairs arrive yet?
2: No, nope, stairs haven't arrived yet. But we need the foot. We need the clean footprint to finish everything inside prior yeah. to the stairs being installed. But you know, in two weeks, the uh, garage doors will be shipped. And uh, things are really coming into place, man. Now it's an exciting time, that kind of likening it to the lawman getting back together. Um, all the crap that I saw prior to where we are right now, you know, is not positive. But where we are right now, every day, I'm seeing, you know, advancement towards the completion of it. So I'm, I'm getting pretty
1: excited. Do you have a, an estimated date on, I don't know, like... I, mean, I know there's several milestones. I don't want to say complete. I, do okay. I
2: ain't doing that anymore. Don't do that.
1: I don't, I don't uh, want to say complete because it could take years to get it dialed in. But there is a milestone. There's the occupancy permit when you can start moving shit in there, right? And that's the big milestone you're going for because that's when the inspectors go, everything is here and it works and electrical and fire and everything works. So – Is there is there kind of a a date in mind for the occupancy permit?
2: Yeah, let's just say before Gage had his sixteenth birthday today. Let's just say hopefully it's before his seventeenth. Before
1: (laughs) yeah, all right. Well, listen, that that's actually not that's not an unfair date. I mean, I think things are going to be moving a little bit quicker than that. Here's one of these things where where. The guys at Metron do a f- fantastic job and having sort of a it's custom but it's a lot of prefab and having that mm-hmm. does speed things up in the process. But then you backtrack the can't get anything, <laughs> right? Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, right right now they're actively uh, installing the 456 uh, sheets of insulation <laughs> that i have to put as the second layer of the of the of the roof before the actual roof goes on so yeah. it'll be nice to see that uh pile of uh insulation gone and actually installed but you know i mean we got ben pack coming out installing lifts for a week um right. i'm in contact with your buddies at Levrack and we're trying to figure something out so i mean they're going to be here probably for a period of time and uh Hey, the best thing is that today I figured out 100% what I'm going to do with the flooring of the garage, thanks to Granddad.
1: I was going to ask about that. Yeah, what was the decision on that? Because we talked about it on other episodes.
2: Well, you know, it's going to be exposed concrete, and I'm going to put a clear on it. But I have a little surprise that I was thinking of, but I didn't think it was realistic. I I thought it would be cool. But not nearly as cool as it was presented to me by uh, Richard here about uh, whose who's building was it? So
0: it's Monster Energy. Uh, when they built their facility out in just outside of Corona in California, one of their things they did as a grand opening was they brought in all of their drift and moto and whatnot to come into the building and this party, and they let everybody do burnouts through the entire building. And they preserved all of that in the clear coat. And that was, when Bill said it, I'm like, well, what better way? That's actually a good I, idea. I think it's a great idea.
1: I, I thought it's you said awesome. you were going to paint. I, I'm uh, not employing
0: anyone else to
2: drive my car, but I'm going to be <laughs> doing all of it. I,
1: I thought you uh, said you were going to paint my face on the floor, but that was okay. No, it's all right. You don't have to do that anymore. It's all right. Well, no, we can
2: paint your face <laughs> on the floor, but then I'll do the initial burnout. I <laughs> do the burnout <laughs> on the floor. You know, uh <laughs>
1: You know, Richard, it's actually a good idea because uh, when we were at the Goodwood Hill Climb, the year that you went with us, Bill, was that the Porsche event? That wasn't that wasn't the seventieth Porsche, right? I don't, um, I don't remember because so we went out and when we brought the nine thirty five. I, I hit the wall. I forgot everything. You just it. forgot everything. <laughs> when, when we brought the Porsche nine thirty five out there. Um, it was they were celebrating Porsche as as the featured uh, uh brand. And that event is just a couple weeks after like Lama. So we were there when they brought the four GTs, um, and then they brought uh the Porsche and they brought the pink pig, right? So they brought the one with the pink Porsche with all the, you know, meat stuff on it. And the Lama guys, what they're doing is similar to what you're talking about is they're taking that car right off the track, dirt, dead bugs, everything. And then they immediately do a PPF film. They just, they just put the clear, uh, uh, pain protection film over the whole thing and preserve the car. So like we get it, it's not really going to last forever, but we want to be able to show the car in its form coming right off of the track and uh, uh, and so it's funny because you see it because you see clear PPF and you see like a mosquito squished <laughs> underneath it. I was like, first of all, the mosquito is already squished, so it's not making that much of a difference. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. That they're going, oh, this is this you know this is iconic to us. It's going to be a piece of our history, and you know we'd like to have this car in our museum or something one day. So uh, let's do it. And, you know, I I don't know if you were just at. Foose's place recently. I thought you were there just a little while ago. And Chip was making a table and he made a wood table and he put like glass on top of it. But down the center of the table, he put like a channel and he filled it with some of his dad's old tools, hand tools and stuff. So he's got this beautiful wood table, kind of like what you see here in the studio, but this groove down the middle. You know, I don't know, maybe it's about 12 inches wide, a couple inches deep filled up with tools, just kind of place them in there and then put the glass on top of it. So, again, telling that story and have a little bit of that history. Now you have to start to think about exactly where do you want to put the cars, where are you going to do the donuts, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it doesn't get a little uh, heavy on one side, a little light on the other side, and, and then you have to have the whole construction crew fix it, stand there and go, by the way, if anything goes a little south, be prepared to fix it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah uh, I'll get there, dude. I'll get there. Anyway, I'm doing it with like, like Hot Wheels, right? So this is the GTX. <laughs> this is the law, man. This is That's the only way I can do it right now.
1: Richard okay. could go I out found there.
2: the weight the room too, right?
1: Get the weight room, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's going to be a debacle. So it's all good. I just can't wait to get to that point. Believe me.
1: If you, if you don't want to do the donuts in a full-size car, Richard Waitis is a huge collector of RC cars. <laughs> <laughs> and he can get like 40 of those things out there drifting. And I don't know if those things ever lay down rubber, but it'd be fantastic if you can heat up the tires and lay down little little rubber marks.
0: I've got a few foam-tired ones that will leave a little bit of rubber, but it's not going to be anything as impressive as, you know, a uh, 325 Nitto on the back. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Plus, yeah. I'm,
0: hang on, I'm one of
1: my sponsors. I'm I'm sure if you called Nino right now, they go, use the RC cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh speaking of R C cars, how many would you say you have?
2: That is such a bad question. I've got three here you can take with you.
1: He's got uh, a room running full. Or,
0: uh, running or <laughs> yeah. Now uh, it's in the triple digits. It's a little over a hundred.
1: (laughs) Christ! Yeah. See, I wasn't kidding. He's got a room full of them, and they're on shelves. They're stacked everywhere. But it's the actually it's it's interesting because when you see even just the photos, you're like, this is a cool shop. That's one tenth scale. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like a it's a it's a really awesome car shop, like a, a a hot rod shop. That's one tenth scale, but. uh, Richard also developed a little MagnaFlow exhaust for one of the uh, one of the nitro cars, one of the gas engine cars, right?
0: Yeah, we're working on that right now with Losi. They just came out with a MagnaFlow livery uh, one scale uh, like buggy, and one of the cool things we want to do as a promo is I want to build a exhaust that you know gives you all the proper features but looks like our product. So not only will it be MagnaFlow livery. But it will have a stale exhaust muffler on it that actually functions. So it'll be kind of a cool project.
1: And how do you make the muffler so tiny? And what I mean is, I get it that it's tiny, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is do you have to just like machine like a billet muffler or something? Because it's not really like a stamped metal, you know, like your your full size assembly line down here in you know, Oceanside.
0: Right. I mean, this is going to be something that, you know, I'm going to have to model and 3d print it and then put it on the flow bench to make sure it actually flows the correct way. And then once I do the flow bench work and I finalize it, it's literally going to go into the mill and it'll get cut out of a CNC. It'll be a billet muffler.
2: Do you have to use a full tiny machine?
0: <laughs> no, actually it'll go right in line. It's the small parts are easy.
1: Yeah. Small parts are easy. We were 3d printing some stuff. Um, I had Chris Brown over. If you know Chris Brown from Brown uh, Auto Design, he's a he was at the Peterson Museum for a long time, his car designer. And uh he's been um I forgot the name of the guy, but he's been building uh cars basically in-house for for a, a very Very, very good collector of cars and admirer of hot rods, and he's been doing a bunch of stuff. But on the side, Chris uh, dabbles in a bunch of other products. So just on the Ford Lightning, just trying to dial in a couple little things on that. Uh, You saw some of it on social media where he completely redesigned like the door handles and the mirrors And then he's got a 3D printer at home at his office that he's been 3D printing some of these pieces and bringing them up. And we've been test fitting. And, you know, the smaller pieces are easy. When we get to the larger pieces, you have to kind of have to 3D print two sides and kind of, you know, stick them together, glue them together. But the whole process uh look it's just it's it's door handles and it's mirrors where it's just you know smaller pieces i kind of like the detail of it but i liked learning going through the process with him and saying you know uh these are the improvements we're we're putting on a really expensive billet door handle that doesn't look that much different than the stock billet door right. stock metal you know door handle but the feel of it is different. The action of it is different. Oh, uh, where when you grab it and, you know, any hard edges have been smoothed out and it's more comfortable and it feels solid, you're like, it really is a wildly different piece. You know, and you think about man, how how much more improved it is over the factory piece. It's just not something that the car companies really thought much about back in just sort of the high volume days of of cars right before the huge bailout where you know where gm was like oh we can make 70 new models if eight of them are a hit that balances us out financially and then after the you know the bailout years ago they're like we don't really have the luxury to do that anymore like every car has to be pretty good and it be pretty sellable you know otherwise we need to kill that car and uh, so now we get to you know, we get to talk about and see things like aerodynamics, uh, not just styling, but aerodynamics uh, play, get into a play. Look, we we love Mustangs and Challengers, but, you know, in the muscle car ever, we never really cared about the aerodynamics of those cars and neither did the manufacturers. And now, you know, uh, we're aero testing the wings and stuff on these cars and, and coming in with downforce and we're like this is supercar shit that we're getting into muscle cars. Uh, you know, Land Rover just announced the new Range Rover a little while ago, which Alistair Weaver will come back and tell us about driving. Uh, but just a few days ago, they did the uh, the Range Rover Sport, which I like that size. I like the V8 engine. Of course, they're going to do the, the V6 or the straight six and the straight six hybrid. Uh, they're going to have a V8 and they're going to have an EV. But picture uh, Range Rover Sport. And now just super flush, flush door handles, very tight gaps, very, uh, not a lot of, um, nooks and crannies on the body. Everything's very, very tightly fitted. The lights, the doors, the door handles. They got 0.29 drag coefficient on on, uh, on that SUV by just giving it a very, very smart design and the proper testing. Shit, we never... Th- think about it later. You just saw... You guys just saw a bunch of G-Wagons, <laughs> The other, you know, this morning. Gas,
2: gas wasn't five bucks a gallon back then.
1: <laughs> yeah. But the G-Wagon was purpose-built, not really with the idea of, of, of fuel efficiency or aerodynamics or even like sound, just the sound of wind well, the going class-
2: that are buying that G wagon could care less about the price <laughs>
1: tag. That, that, that's that's true. But one of the things we get into, and this is uh, this isn't really Richard Waitis's topic, being an exhaust guy, but uh, what what the car manufacturers noticed when they started getting into EVs, like like the Nissan Leaf, for example, was they designed the Leaf, they put it on the road, and they're like, what what is all this goddamn noise? And they realized without engine noise, they heard a lot of wind noise and they had to reshape things like the side mirrors and even the headlights to move wind off, not just to be aerodynamic, but to be quiet, right? So when we get a, when you get a Range Rover Sport and you're like, oh, it's got a 0.29 drag coefficient, that's cool. Does not need it? It does when you make it into an EV, right? When you're doing 70 down the freeway with that thing, You don't want it to sound like you're standing in a, you know, in a storm, in a a hurricane. So, uh, yeah, anyway, kind of interesting, interesting stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with Magnaflow. What's new with the company? What's going on with Magnaflow? And and you can explain a little bit about the process of, of how Magnaflow gets built, because as much as we all know on this show, the performance exhausts and all the stuff that you guys do and uh, all the the cool cars and movie cars you've worked on every fast and furious movie batman movie that's come out you've 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 worked on all of those cars but the real bread and butter is replacement catalytic converters there's a huge operation down there i've been down there you've been down there bill like you have this awesome r and d facility for the aftermarket exhaust but it's a it's a blip on the radar of, of of the big business down there, right? Explain a little bit of the the MagnaFlow structure.
0: So one of the unusual parts about where we sit in the exhaust world is that we're one of the only manufacturers. Actually, we are the only manufacturer today that does catalytic converters and performance exhaust. And uh, as a you know family owned company that is made in the USA, uh, it's a very unique place to be because the two markets don't always uh, coordinate. Actually, me and Bill were just talking about this earlier, um, but the two actually work, you know, hand in hand in some cases. And then when one goes down, the other goes up, especially in the times when you're talking about, you know, uh, performance being a little bit of a crunch right now. Uh, the number of cars that are coming off the lots that our high performance is down over historical numbers. But the number of cars, period, that are being operated on the road, we're seeing longer lifespans of vehicles, people using them longer, restoring older vehicles. And as we see that, obviously the catalytic converter business continues to grow because we're still, albeit not seeing the number of new cars being sold, the number of old cars that are actually going out of use is not as high as it used to be. So um, our primary business of uh, catalytic converters is what gives us a lot of these economies of scales that allow us to play in the world of high performance. And really, as you guys have seen, you know, our product line has expanded uh, tremendously in the last five years. Into becoming more specifically geared towards lifestyles of uh, high performance automotive enthusiasts, you know, incorporating carbon fiber, different steels and metals for aesthetics, uh, broadening the span of how exhaust is used on cars, like our X mod, so you can change out modules to pick out the sound levels you want, uh, incorporating some of our NDT or no drone technology. All of those are stems from the fact that what really pays the bills is the fact that everybody has to drive a car to get to work. And for the most part, even if you're driving a hybrid, you've got to have a catalytic converter. Uh, And that's really where, you know, the world of cars, it seems to be going, whether it's in the high performance world or in the daily driver. You take a Prius. Well, guess what? It's got a gas motor as a generator. You know, you go into the supercar world and guess what? They have a gas motor supplemented by front drive with electric Uh, because you get the best of both worlds when you can combine both those technologies. And really, we're in a very unique position uh, in that we build both sides. And for the most part, the, the exciting part of what we do is that we help keep high powered cars on the road because we are investing in technologies that allow us to have Hellcat red-eye power and still be street clean. I mean, that was something you go back and you look at the cars of the 1960s and 1970s, you didn't get mile-per-gallon estimates because you were sub-10 miles per gallon. You know, that just was that's what cars were. They consumed a lot of fuel. Nowadays, to make sure that the cars are running correctly, you have to put a lot of technology into reverse engineering how the engine management systems work. It's not just as easy as just dumping something on and hoping for the best. You know, changing back pressure, flow rates, and how the O2 sensors read is all a part of the system and to be honest it's a lot easier to make high performance parts than it really is to develop cats and uh, you guys have been to the facility and you walk by our uh, ECT facility where they're doing all the cat development, you have guys in lab coats and you know they're out there putting precious metals in there which you know we all know that market And we're watching people you know snag them off the bottom of cars because those metals are so expensive and they are such a big part of what makes the cat work and um, uh, that, that's that's the interesting part the science part of it all but really that, that is what Magnaflow is today, is we're trying to service all aspects of exhaust, and uh, whether it's something that you're looking to replace, increase performance, or maintain the emissions compliance, we want to be in a one-stop shop for that. So to do that, we made a tremendous investment into uh, having a sophisticated R&D center, keeping all the, the cost controls in line, getting our supply chain right, and the only way we can do that is being made in the USA. So that's that's something that uh, we've really prided ourselves in, but it's really the only way that we can continue to offer the best product to the market.
1: Let me ask you about catalytic converters. Why is everybody stealing them? <laughs> <laughs> well, is it really is it really the materials that it's made with, or are they just reselling them and going, "Hey, uh, you know, here's a used CRV, you know, catalytic converter." Like, where where are they going? Chris is in the studio going, "Yeah, yeah, his shit was stolen." Yeah, it was. So they they, they bring to recycle centers. Yeah, and, yeah. What's what's going on? You man? get money from the metals, but uh, at
0: in Long Beach, they had this, like, event the other day where you get to bring your car into the police station, and they etch a license plate number in it and everything for free just to <laughs> just so they're
1: all marked. Okay, yeah. What's your thoughts?
0: Well, it comes from uh, understanding what's in them. And there's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of people who are unfortunately being made victim to this because the thieves don't have all the information. They're just looking at the trend. And, you know, God forbid you go on a Facebook group today that, you know, everyone you jump on is like, hey, you want to sell your cats? Uh, and they're promoting some information that isn't always accurate because they're making money, too. Uh, let's go back and look at what cats are made of. Yeah, platinum, palladium and rhodium. And when you look at those precious metals and you go back to the era, you know, most of these cars that they're stealing from are 2005 up until maybe 2010, 2012. And during that period, the of those three metals we talked about, platinum, palladium, and rhodium, rhodium was around like three dollars or $4,000 a troy ounce. Uh, during the peak of uh, the pandemic, it got up to $37,000 an ounce. Wow, That's a factor of 10. So think about this. When you had your, and we'll talk about a car that's actually been really, uh, one of the focal points of theft, which is the Prius. Um, it, they're actually kind of dirty in the sense that they're generators, uh, and not engines that have variable loads. So when you're driving a car and you look at the on time of a gas car, you're ranging from, you know, 1500 RPM up to max. But for the most part, it's ranging and cats work well when they're properly heated. And when, of course, you're cruising down the highway with all the multiple speed cars we have today, the goal is to get it to as low as RPM. The uh, generator mode when you're on uh, a, um, any kind of a hybrid car is a much higher RPM. So when they're on, they're actually polluting more than a car at the similar uh, value. So you'll find that they use very high concentrations of rhodium, which is one of the more effective metals and the most expensive metal. So, being that in that period of two thousand, kind of five to two thousand nine, and slightly after, rhodium was fairly inexpensive. So, when you have to make a vehicle pass, you have to make a combination of platinum, palladium, and rhodium. But when rhodium's cheap and it's the most effective means, you use a lot of it. And what people found out was, uh, when you're in desperate need of money uh, during the pandemic, and you had nothing better to do, and you're sitting around the house collecting some checks. Um, you just took a your puzzle. Yeah, and <laughs> you can find these vehicles that had maybe, you know, $1000 worth of precious metals in them, maybe 800 of that is the rhodium back in their day. Uh, but that 800 dollars worth is a factor of 10 more now. So during the pandemic, you could take that part and it's worth 800. Now they uh, and then would go to 8000, but the Person who's giving you the value obviously needs to make their cut. So the recycling center is going to move down a factor of that to whatever their uh, margin that they want to make is. But they're giving you thousands of dollars for this item that in its heyday as a complete exhaust piece, you know, end-to-end catalytic converter probably was only 1800 or $2,000. But those precious metals in that era are worth so much that people are willing to go to jail for them because technically what is, it? you know, these days uh, felony theft is like 1,500 bucks. Um, but it, it's kind of crazy that it is where it is, but it is because of the commodities market and the value of rhodium. That being said, rhodium has fallen down to about seventeen or $18,000 now. It's still a tremendous amount more, which is why the theft is still recurring, but the bad part is people don't understand that the OEMs made the change too. As rhodium started to increase in value after the 2010 mark, the OEM stopped using it, but people still said, oh, well, it's, it's a Prius, so go go out to a 2020 Prius and try to rip it off, Well, that 2020 Prius made with that, you know, $17,000 troy ounce part has a lot less rhodium in it. And they've gone up with the platinum and palladium to compensate. So when you rip that car off and you're trying to get the precious metals and they take it to the recycling center, they're going to go, oh, it's only worth like 600 bucks. And they're like, well, no, these guys are getting, you know, 70000 but again, the thieves aren't the most informed of what happened. And for the most part, the public doesn't understand how those cats differ from time to time because they use a precious metal that's traded on a commodities market.
1: Here's my advice to criminals. <laughs> uh, first of all, if you're going to go after a Prius, go for the oldest Prius Here you can go. get. And second of all, the catalytic converters are worth more than the car itself. So... Do us all a favor. Just steal the whole fucking car. Steal the
2: whole car. <laughs> because if you cut
1: off the cat, you'll leave us just irritated and pissed off. If you steal <laughs> the car, we got insurance on it. So just take the whole fucking car and scrap it and do what you want with the catalytic cover. But stop fucking around with the cats by themselves. Just take the car. All right. <laughs> I, I- <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it, it's pretty crazy. It, it,
0: you know, when you look at what the damage gets done, though, it's never that easy because, especially with some of these um, the hybrids, they run the cooling system through it. So they're cutting the cooling lines, the radiators are draining out because they have to preheat these taps oh before they work. So they uh. use engine heat. Then they're cutting electronic solenoids for the diverter valves. So these cars are literally damaged beyond the replacement value of the cat, but all of these other systems that are integrated with it. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty big burden to bear, especially when it's you that comes out there and goes to start your car and all you hear. is, bah!
1: Yeah. It sounds and, like a monster truck.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So get off of cats. Let's talk about the performance <laughs> exhaust, uh, because we've, we've had conversations about, uh, the exhaust bill and I, of course, many times, and the cars are getting incredibly more sophisticated. We've got, uh, we've got, active exhaust, and and you can change it on the fly, and there's buttons on the dash to open the exhaust, and there's different levels, and I know there isn't a manufacturer out there that makes it easy for you guys. Uh, You and I have had conversations about my Mustang. And it turns out, I don't know why, I, you know, but the Mustang GT, the GT500, the GT350, and the Mustang Mach 1 all have an active exhaust with a valve. Every car uses a different valve right so it's not compatible you can't put the gt exhaust on the g on the Mach one you would think of as easy but we now know it no it does not work that way the exhaust works i get it but it just sort of like defaults into the full open position because what what's going on with with new cars how is it a challenge for you guys
0: well, it's so integrated now. So when you look at performance exhaust, uh, it used to be an afterthought. I mean, look at all the cars we had in the you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s. If they needed to reroute something, they put a dent in the pipe, they shoved it in the corner. Um, those kind of tactics don't work anymore because the emission systems are tied to them. Or, you know, you look at these late-model diesel trucks, uh, really all the way to the tailpipe, you've got diesel oxidation converter, you've got your uh, DPF, you've got your selective catalyst reduction and sprays in your DEF fluid, So all of that is all emissions control devices and you can't touch it Uh, all the way down to the tip. in some of them, which is not necessarily a regulated part, but you've got, you know, nine thousand sorry, 900 to 1400 degrees of temperature coming out the tailpipe. So they have intercoolers that are built into the tips and such, which all makes it difficult to play with the system kind of in the performance gas market. It's the same thing. Like you said, on your vehicle, you know, not only is it physical differentiation, the diameter of the pipe of the GT500 versus the GT30 versus the GT, there's all changes. The rear fascia, albeit the same chassis, the bumpers are all different. So the exit points are different, which sometimes mandates that the valves be in different positions. Uh, but even the bar, the valve architecture, the way the computer interfaces it through which actuator is different. So there isn't a, a silver bullet to kind of satisfy all of it. I mean, we have to do all the interdynamic stuff to get the flow rate up and make sure that we make high performance. But at the same time, we still have to make it happy so you're not getting a check engine light. I mean, that's probably the most annoying thing you can do with a modern car is take a fully functional uh, system off, put something else on, and realize you caused a problem. And for, I don't know how everybody else is, but I'm pretty sure anybody else in the car market, the last thing we'd love to see is that freaking yellow check engine light yeah. or something that indicates you've done something wrong. Because then you can't well really tell when there's a real problem, but more or less, it's just one of those things that's super annoying. So we got to put a ton of time into it. And when we make some assumptions on things, uh, you know, bringing your car in and doing the testing, we have to reverse engineer those parameters. And that means pinning out uh, circuitry that's in there. That means taking apart the solenoids, uh, finding their thresholds, how they operate. Uh, all of that becomes part of building exhaust now. So we've got reverse engineering computers uh, and integrating with, you know, BCMs and PCMs uh, as part of the protocols for developing an exhaust. And it, it doesn't make it easy by any means. But it makes us bring it to a different level for how we present the product. It has to in every way be better performing, better sounding, provide unique features such as anti-drone technology, and still incorporate all of those factory uh, kind of fun features like the variable valve uh, for the active exhaust.
1: You know, um, even, let's say, add to that, I was uh, you and I had a conversation. I've been following a bunch of the videos when you guys were developing the exhaust for the C8 Corvette and a lot of mm-hmm. thermal testing on the C8 Corvette. You didn't want to install an aftermarket exhaust and have it melt the back of the car because the exhaust is so packed into the back of that car where the engine is, right? So now you have to start to to do, I guess you guys were doing a lot of thermal testing? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that the mid-engine rear uh, exhaust system puts out is a problem. The packaging is very tight against the rear fascia. Mm-hmm. And you've all seen it in the supercar world. You know, people dump some cats out the back and are throwing flames to be cool. Mm-hmm. But all of that's because the temperatures are so high, the exhausts are so short, and the the heat that's there is captured. It's not like it's under the car. Arrow is so well controlled these days that the... Uh, the gases that normally the air that passes over the exhaust pipes that were normally there to cool stuff off just isn't there. Uh, now all of that's kind of tied into ports that have to duct air in. And the minute we change our configuration, we're now changing how the air flows through. And you remember on the C8 demonstration from GM, they talked about how all the ports work for cooling brakes and moving air through the car. We have to take all of their engineering, uh, reverse engineer it, taking consideration or doing some empirical testing. And just, we did a lot of empirical testing with the C8, and what we found was, is, you know, if you go to a higher efficiency exhaust where i moving gases out faster, it's getting hotter. So we had to come up with, you know, uh, insulation material. We use aluminum paneling. We have protectors for the solenoids so that we can create faster flowing gases that expelled the temperatures in a way that didn't affect the rest of the car or impact some of the electronic devices such as the actuators
1: yeah i listen i'm I'm always fascinated by it it's super cool stuff, but we always get into it every time we get together or go down there and 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 walk through the shop and see what you guys are working on and uh and there's been a lot um from magnaflow recently i think during during the pandemic especially allowed you guys to start focusing. Uh, more on the content creation side. And that's where we're getting mm-hmm. to be able to learn about a bunch of these things, uh, following you on social media, following uh, uh, Magnaflow and YouTube videos and stuff, and kind of uh, deep diving into, into sort of the, the, the science of this stuff, which, and the art of it, the art and science of it, which I am just fascinated with. Uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, run through a couple of the cars that you've worked on that we've seen pretty uh, recently. I know you've worked on, Ah, uh, you know you've had a long relationship with the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, uh, the Batmobiles, for sure. Um, we've seen them at SEMA, uh, but this is going back to a, a, a young Richard Waitus with a little brown in his beard—not that white stuff you got all over your face. <laughs> um, how, how did that come to be? How did you get involved with uh, with them from 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 so long ago? I guess.
0: Well, it was uh, it was just an opportunity. Uh, We had uh, a a marketing director at that time was Craig Lieberman, who uh, really kind of put us into the JDM market. That was really his goal. And when that opportunity came out, he was a technical consultant for uh, the Fast and Furious in the first uh, generation, and where he made the introductions to you know how to participate. Uh, in these films and from the top level my job was then to go back in and figure out how we could really bring the brand of the product in uh and i got to meet the guys from the transport department everybody knows who dennis mccarthy is over there you know he built some of the coolest cars that have to do some of the craziest stunts and then he's got to build you know six of them in four weeks uh he's got these crazy deadlines and he needs you know manufacturers and talented people to kind of make stuff come together in these short timelines and uh, fortunately, inside of MagnaFlow and the ownership there, they've put me in a, uh, an alignment that I can go out and satisfy those needs for these uh, clients. And in return, we've got to participate in like everything from Fast and Furious 2 up until today, uh, to which two weeks ago, I was working on some of the Fast 10 vehicles that were uh, being shipped out to various places across the world. Those are very international films. And it's kind of funny, whether you love or hate the, the series, there's so much car stuff behind them. and Really, we have to think on our toes, and that's one of the reasons why we get to participate in that world is, you know, they they come to us and say, hey, we've got, you know, six vehicles that need to do this, this, and that. We have – the vehicle has all the safety equipment because it's got to flip over, can't catch fire, so it's got a fire-safe fuel cell. we got to route stuff this way. So sometimes we're making facade pieces. Other times we're making real parts. And even now, it's like so much of the cars that they're working with are – the sounds are emulated or redubbed in. Uh, we've got things like trucks with Russian arms on them that we got to make these you know, AMG uh, SUVs silent so that they don't interrupt the sound of the vehicle they're recording. So we're working with you know, support team. We're working with the actual cars. Um, but it, it's just a matter of can we as a company provide the part, but also can we satisfy that service port of it? And that's really where I think our opportunity with the, 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 the uh, different companies that have to build these cars was made is they need a person who can, on the fly, basically build a part, fabricate, uh, make the decision whether or not the company's willing to make the investment of the parts, and then at the same time, try to create the content side to tell the story after the fact, because we'll get you know a small logo here and there, but the movie obviously isn't about the branding. And in a lot of cases, the Batmobile, you'd never know that there was bag flow in it until you, know, you peel the layers back, and that's where we get to do our storytelling, and I've got to capture all of those little elements to retell those stories.
1: How many of the cars do you go down and personally make the exhaust for?
0: Uh, for the most part, uh, in any of the cars that are on there, I have to build a prototype and bring it back. And then I have to use our mass production capabilities and the team back at the shop to refine. Sometimes I'm 3D printing tips. Sometimes it's uh, I've got to bend parts that I can't bend at a certain bend angle. So I've got to bring it back. I just got to take a mock up. We got to scan it. Uh, and then we got to take all of our uh, capabilities to 3D render something, build a temporary fixture, build it times five, and then bring it back and install it the next week. So uh, it, it's it's a process, and it, it all starts with the prototype, which usually is my hands under a car. <laughs>
1: this is this is the unique part about uh, Magnaflow that I that I love about the company and I love about you is we deal with marketing people all the time, and they're fantastic, and they always help us out on all of our project cars. But there are a few of them out there that are Super, super nerdy engineers and fabricators. So I know the guys at, you know, at Warner Brothers and stuff or, or Universal are going, Hey, we should get uh, Richard from Magnaflow to help us out with this Batmobile, this car, because most guys will go, Hey, whatever you need, we'll send you the parts. You want some mufflers? You want some tubing? You go and do it. But Richard goes out there and builds the goddamn stuff on those cars. And then they either reproduce or do you send them more stuff? But they get a fabricator as part of the deal.
2: <laughs> when you're representing the company and it has your name on it why not send the best
1: I listen i, I was down there I want to say 1516 uh, I brought the red Mustang down there and we were rolling it out and I think uh your car was up on the left uh, getting stuff done at the same time we were bringing both cars to uh to sema or the the truck was there maybe it was the truck was there too I don't know but but uh
0: and the uh black challenger the yeah. manual
1: yeah so <laughs> we we had we had that shop fl- filled up at the time but uh all right guys uh i appreciate it let's see are we missing anything else we're kind of running out of time but uh uh where else we got going on if not just tell us where, where are we going going from-
2: yeah where, where is he going next
0: so we started down in Houston and uh, working with just the, all the builders that we have throughout Texas. Um, I went down and visited Bill Carlton over at uh, Extensive. Uh, we're going to be stopping off in Austin to go talk to Joe and Amanda over at uh, Martin Brothers, who we've been supporting for a long time. And I'm going to be up there uh, chit and chatting with uh, Richard Rawlings up at Gas Monkey Garage, hopefully by the end of the week. So pretty full schedule. Tell, him, tell Dennis uh, how good the lawman looks. Oh, for sure. <laughs>
1: Um, you guys definitely check out Magnaflow's website, check out magnaflow.com, check him out on YouTube as well. You'll see the great videos, but you'll also want to follow Richard waitis on Instagram. His account is oxidizer. oxidizer, but it's O-X-I-D-I-Z-R. So it's O-X-I-D-I-Z-R. So follow him or just search for Richard Waiters. You'll find him up there. And uh, if you're into overlanding, that's the big product line that they've been pushing the past couple of years. So they get the whole overlanding series, which uh, we can get into it another time. But uh, you guys are looking for a little bit better performance exhaust, but you want that shit tucked up tight underneath your truck so you don't bang it on the rocks. That's something that they put a big uh, emphasis on the past couple of years especially. So um, look for that stuff as well. Anything you can possibly imagine has, uh, with an exhaust on it, uh, Magnaflow makes it for, I know they got new Jeeps and TRXs and every Mustang and Bronco. I, Broncos are already out there. I don't know. Does Gage already got it? Magnaflow exhaust on his Bronco? Probably- yes, sir. <laughs>
2: Boom. <But>, um, so- <laughs> last night and as I said, today was his first day, uh, that he drove to school on his own and, uh. <laughs> I, you know what? I should have put open headers on it so I could just hear the sound <laughs> of this all the time. Yeah. Just wherever he's going, He'll
1: think it's cool as shit for the first, like, two days and then be like, yeah, I just, this is it's too much. I, I, you know, can't talk. I can't hear anything. Everybody knows where I'm coming well, going.
2: Give, give 48 hours to download the proper apps so that I can <laughs> survey. Yeah. put a survey. I've, camera on him, twenty four
1: seven. Richard should have built in a tracking device into the exhaust exhaust system for you. He'll never find it if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what you True. need, what you need is, uh, you need the app that plugs into the computer so it tells you the speed the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end oh, of yeah. the day, over dinner, <laughs> you can be like, "Oh, hey, I saw you hit eighty seven over here. I don't know if this is uh, should be oh, doing that."
2: I want the one. I want the one that immediately texts me once the speed limit has been reached.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, he's a, he's a good kid. He's earned it. Let's see if he can keep it. That's that's the way it works, right? Um, all right, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Remember, he,
2: flipped my six, he flipped my six-wheeler uh, about two months ago. So um, hopefully that scared the dog shit out of him so uh, yeah. he won't uh, carry it over to his Bronco. So.
1: Yeah, but to be fair, didn't you flip one as well?
2: I flip many, but I'm also I've, I've had my license for a couple of years,
1: so. it's a lot of uh, do what I say, not what I do over there. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot a lot of that. Uh Richard, enjoy your time over there, I'm sure, as you rolled into Thanks. the place. It was like Jurassic Park, animals running across the in front of the house. And,
0: kangaroos, zebras. <laughs> yeah, there's
1: the zebras, the kangaroos, and Rufus is probably shitting on the porch right now. I just <laughs>
2: uh wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. You, you so missed
1: enough. it a couple of months ago there was a giraffe. So, uh, oh boy. <laughs> I, I don't think they kept that one. I don't know, but if you
2: uh, God, no more. <laughs> I want a gorilla. That's all I want. Just give me a gorilla.
1: A gorilla? You but, got two little but, ones. You got the lemurs.
2: Yeah, but they didn't know gorilla. I want something that can rip people's arms off. <laughs> so as I get older I get to sick them on stick them on people. You can do my do my dirty
1: <laughs> You can uh you can teach them uh, Muay Thai. <laughs>
2: right, so I'm just gonna teach him the spear and the jackhammer. That's all we need.
1: That's it, that's all he needs. Um all right guys, thanks so much. Always a great time. Richard, have a good time out there. We'll see you when you're back in town. Uh, until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. Would you love to save money on insurance? Well, of course. Who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, Geico can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renter's coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus... Add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance and the switch to Geico becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent.